You are now listening to The Bunt, the number one podcast in skateboarding, brought to you by the number one shoe in skateboarding. Happy Halloween, motherfucker. Vans. Off the wall since 1960, motherfucking six. Drop that bitch. I'm D. Jones. I got my main man, the ghost, with me. And we got Antoine behind the scenes. It's a cool thing. Still. Ghost action packed episode this week. Introducing a new segment in the intro. Woo! It's about to be one, man. What are we working with this week? Oh, it's another, you know, casual big week in Studio E. We got the young legend. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to use that term. Tyler Surrey in the building what a chill just absolutely nice guy one of the most talented and dare i say underrated skaters in the game just steadily crushing he's i think he's right around our age but it feels like he's been putting out parts for like two decades almost uh maybe that long san diego video that was a long ass time ago uh absolute pleasure having him on the pod hype for the people to tune into this one then we take in all of the post office flooded as per usual uh thanks for the emails fun week in the post office and then we wrapping it up with the rundown baby yeah jets giants is popping in new york let's get it man doesn't it just feel so good the way legend rolls off the tongue man <laughs> it's just easy baby Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Bunt Live. Subscribe to us on YouTube at The Bunt Live. Hit up our Patreon, patreon.com slash The Bunt. We got to start doing more on there, just like Save His Mom tells us in the post office. And last but not least, TheBuntLive.com. Every episode logged for your listening pleasure. Before we get into the brand new segment, there's one more thing to get through. The ghost shout out of the week. And man... Skate World's making it easy for you these last few weeks. Oh, man. What a week. I haven't been floored by a skate park in quite some time, but this was just the definition of a jaw-dropper. Tyshawn Jones just making it fucking pop. The thing that's crazy about him is that he's doing tricks that only he can do. You know, so that puts him in a class of his own. Like that whole first DMX track was just, it just blew my mind. And I'm like, there's probably only, it's probably only him or like a very, very small handful of skaters that could do those tricks because his pops just otherworldly, right? So that, that eliminates most of the world on a lot of these clips, which to me is the shit that separates him and I wasn't expecting it, but Tyshawn might be looking at that second skater of the year. Louis Elliott. I mean, Louis Lopez. You better step your game up, bruv, or this man's stealing it. Because Tyshawn, he might be dropping a second part. It said to be continued. 
and we know he's got a board brand up his sleeve. So my prediction is another slapping part with that TTC, I mean subway kickflip gap, and the board brand launch. Tyshawn in the building. Louis, what you got to say? I know that's your boy, but someone's going to get this trophy. Who's it going to be? Part two, the general. We are all waiting. We'll pretty much certify Sodi. Unless, like you said, man, Louis Lopez drops another. Is this turning into a two-man race here? Man, yeah, I don't Who else is even, like, you know what I'm saying? TJ's gone ham this year, so shouts to TJ. But, yeah, I feel like this is usually when the parts start flooding in. People have been stacking for this very month, next two months, really, because they announced it, like, mid-December, don't they? Maybe Gilbert, maybe Bobby, maybe someone on Polar drops something new after their full length. Who knows, man? But right now, Tyshawn versus Louis Lopez, and we are here to see it, man. It has been a long time since we dropped a new segment over here at the Bunt. I think the last one was the one where I would read off someone talking shit on Slap. <laughs> Hasn't happened in a while, so, you know, we had to put that segment on the back burner. But with inspiration from the boys at first take, Stephen A. and Michael, the playmaker, Irvin, we are here to unveil Seifa's B-list. And we are not pulling any punches with this new segment. Hard-hitting, fact-stating segment. Top five once a week. We might skip a week or two. But more often than not, the ghost... Safe B is dropping a new top five list, and we are hitting them hard with the inaugural list. Top five Canadian skateboarders of all time. Let's hear what you got. That's a heavy one, and in honor of Michael Irvin, I'm going to just spark it like this. Donovan, I'm going to crack your cranium and fertilize your brain right here, <laughs> right now. At number five. Our boy, known him since we were youngins, 14 or so, Spencer fucking Hamilton. You get Holy me. shit. You, yo, don't play with me. You get me. Like, <laughs> he is as professional as they come. He's been just, dude, he's still jumping off fucking roofs, alley-oop switch, Bro, backside my flipping. Is cracked. <laughs> yeah, fertilize that with some Spenny seed. All right. <laughs> We got Spenny, love him to death. Maybe we're slightly biased, but I don't even give a fuck. The resume backs it up, all right? Next up, we're going with another homie. Damn, people are just going to call me biased, but yo, Bobby DeKaiser, you get me. Woo! Such a long way ahead, but what he's already done, the, uni the uniqueness of his skateboarding. When, when he drops apart, you rush to that screen and you make sure you watch it. Right the here, worldwide. right now. You get me? Bobby D, fucking legend. All right? Moving on. Better get Another some homie. Here. <laughs> let, me, let me crack your cranium a little more, all right? And let me plant some D in your head. Some Wade D. <laughs> oh, why are you playing D in my head, dog? <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Uh... Does, does anything else need to be said? 
Like that's that's just a, a staple right there. And what he's still doing at uh, I is he 37? I can't remember. But whatever age he's at and the part he just dropped, and I know he's still hungry for more. Wade D, just an all-timer, all right? Now, top two. This was this was tough. But Holy fuck. at number two, my guy, I'm going to really fertilize your brain with this one, all right? It's Rick McCrank still. Okay, he, he's on the list. He's on the list. Another triple OG legend still doing it. Still shredding as hard as they fucking come. Transition for days. But you see those all those fucking Instagram accounts that are all about old clips and shit. Like sometimes we forget to put the respect on Rick's name that it deserves. He could literally like have 50 video parts worth of demo footage that is just mind blowing. Not to mention the shit he did in the streets and the fact that he's still out here just getting it. Just still out here. Just a certified fucking beast, right? And that number one. I know who it is. You probably already know who it is. A favorite of both of ours. Also been on the pod. Wow, all five of them have been on the pod. Go back and listen to those episodes. Bruv, you want to you want a healthy brain fertilized? Yeah, let me put some apple seeds in that bitch, motherfucker. That's what you need. Don't ever fuck with me. It's Mark Appleyard. All right? <laughs> <laughs> and I ain't even got to I ain't even going to explain that one. All right? That's that's just just go fuck yourself if if you got a problem with that. All right? Okay. You left two of your favorite skaters of all time off this list to make sure you got the big dogs in there. And I respect it. Probably in a close sixth and seventh, you'd find Galia Mamalu and Wade Fife in some sort of order. Oh, 100%. And TJ Rogers. And I don't want to start naming people because we have so many extremely there's too talented. many but like Mor- we said. morgan smith all right but yeah i leaving galia off was really hard for me but just spenny and bobby's resumes are starting to stack up like crazy you know the, the video parts um it's hard galia it's it's like he's i might like his skating more than some of the guys on the list but i'm not i'm trying to not be biased and just uh have the resumes you know what i'm saying there you have it the first ever safe of b list ending with number one mark appleyard the greatest canadian skateboarder of all time and like he said don't make him explain it you motherfucker <laughs> let's get back on track here tyler surrey in the building for episode six we couldn't be happier. Absolute legend. Been doing it for a long, long time. Tyler, just hold on for one second, brother, because we just got to order some pizza, man. Bro, you already know I went ham the other day. <laughs> Me and Colette had to get in some Frank's Best and a spicy pep god. And don't forget a couple baby gem salads just to keep it healthy. Woo! And uh, we didn't even get a drink this time. No ginger ale. Because it's health is wealth around here. Just wash it down with some water. And of course, a couple dipping sauces. <laughs> yeah, we full. You get me. You gotta love it, baby. Maddie Matheson, tell them what you get when you order Maker Pizza. This is literally the best pizza in the world. All right, Tyler. The waiting is over. 
Let's get this interview popping. All right, we've got Tyler Surrey in the building this week. What's cracking, man? Not too much. Just uh, finally enjoying the weather here in Barcy. Finally cooled down a bit after a long summer. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, Tyler, we start every show off the same. Hit us with your favorite skate moment and your favorite sports moment. Let's see. Favorite skate moment might have to be... Damn, there's a few that come to mind, actually, but I would probably just go with... Uh, Skating Earl Warren. You, you know that spot? It's like a downhill hallway with three kinks that like Penny had a line back in the day. Yeah, and Wes mm-hmm. did like in switch crook, half cab. Yeah, switch crook and the nose grind. I would say the day to the nose grind was one of the best memorable sessions that I can remember in my life. Sick, why is that? We all uh, altered We all altered our consciousness a little bit with some tea in the morning <laughs> that we made at this house. <laughs> And uh, we just went there just to have some fun, and Wes was just on fire. I mean, everyone was killing it, but to watch Wes and just skate, like, just do downhills all day that day was a pretty epic day for sure. I'll never forget that one. And to see that nose grind line in person. And I think he did it in slippers, by the way. Oh, <laughs> love that. Wow. So it was sick to skate, like, a, a, pen, a classic penny spot and see kind of a penny-ish moment true for sure a new new age penny moment like that from wes that was sick see sports moment Ooh, i got one i was uh we were we we golf every once in a while i don't know if golf is considered a sport but (laughs) uh we were golfing in san diego we used to go quite a lot to this uh this like pro kids course and um ejp eric Pedersen that skates for for sour he came out to san diego and stayed with me for a bit and he's he's a pretty adamant golfer and so it was like me eric i think jimmy cow jamie palmore and marshall heath we went uh golfing at the spot i was gonna say we went skating <laughs> we went golfing and uh ejp eric got a hole in one oh on the course that was that was pretty epic to wow. win first time playing the course damn that's sick you an avid golfer my guy um we used to go every once in a while more like pitch and putt style not like full 18 holes right like full courses but uh yeah i get down with the pitch and putt for sure anything uh, under or above like a seven iron i, I fuck with <laughs> that's proper Hell yeah. i like that range too man yeah not too stressful yeah shit man i'm about to go play golf after this interview can't wait but full oh, there you go full 18 style with some some drivers and shit so the struggle's oh, gonna nice. be real. <laughs> yeah, the woods and drivers I can never get a hold of, man. I don't know why. It's like the longer, the longer shaft on the golf club, it just kind of made it harder for me. Yeah. I could only mess with irons. I feel you. So yo, take us back to the beginning. Where'd you grow up, and how'd you get into skating? Um, so I grew up in San Diego. I pretty much got into skating through my older brother. He's five years older than me, and. As far as as long as I can remember, he was skating. He was uh, just kind of the classic little brother, older brother dynamic where you want to do whatever he's doing because you think it's the coolest thing in the world. So Mm -hmm. I just put all my energy into skating, too, and like watching him and trying to get him to like accept me into his crew with the older (laughs) skaters and stuff. And I had like my crew with like our age skaters and pretty much just got into it that way. He, He showed me my first videos which was like uh, virtual reality and like Welcome to Hell. It was kind of that era. It was like the first, my introduction to skating. 
Sick. That's a nice era right there. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So pretty much, yeah. Shout out to my older brother. Yeah, older brother vibes, man. Uh, is he still skating? Um, no. Every time we meet up, it's probably like on average once a year. He'll just get super hyped because I'll bring him on a session or something. He'll like take my board or someone's board around and just start Sick. killing it without all the tricks. Like he still got him in his pocket, <laughs> chilling. And all like backset flips, backtails, and stuff. Yeah, it's sick. Damn. So, what would you consider was your first big break in the skate industry? So, I guess I kind of met. I don't remember exactly how I met this like local filmer guy named Kyle, and he was a little bit older than all of us at the time. I, mean, I guess he was kind of responsible for just like linking us all together. Like that, I met Wes through him, and I met like some other dudes and. We all just started skating with him, and he was super stoked on filming. So he'd take us out filming because we were we weren't young enough, uh, we weren't old enough to get a car or like to have our license yet. So he would drive us around, and we'd skate with him. And he made like a local San Diego video and had a premiere downtown. And uh, I remember like I showed up late and missed the whole video. <laughs> but then when everyone was leaving the premiere, this guy Paul Kroberger, which was the the team manager for San Diego, which was like a local skate shop in San Diego at the time. I mean, it still exists, but not kind of as relevant anymore into skating. They don't they don't have a skate team anymore. But uh, he kind of had like a, a skate team going that he was in charge of, and he just like tracked me down. We were walking down the sidewalk, and was like, "Yeah, I really liked your part." Um, and the funny thing is, me and Wes shared a part in that video, so I think he mistook a lot of Wes's tricks for mine. <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to Wes for helping me with that one. But uh, yeah, he's like, yeah, I liked your part, I liked your footage. Like, uh, what do you think about like getting on the shop and going skating with us, going on some trips, and we'll give you some product? And I was like, yeah, man, that sounds fucking amazing. What do you mean? Like, that's the dream, you know? Yeah. Like, I didn't even think that was a possibility until I like heard it firsthand. I was like, yeah, I'm down. And so it kind of started that way. And, uh, I mean, Paul, Paul Kroberger was kind of a mastermind at the time. He, he put together like a pretty epic skate team, I would say for, uh, for being like a shop team back then we had people, I mean, it was a yeah. shop from San Diego and we had like Julian Davidson and people from like Long Beach on the team, Dallas Rock Band. I don't know if you remember him back to Hollywood High mm-hmm. 12, yeah. or 16. Hell yeah. And so like he put together this pretty epic team and uh it's crazy like the majority of people on that team are probably still in the industry today so i mean i would say he had a pretty good vision for picking out people like a serious talent scout and uh he, he helped me get like shop flow and uh sponsors like that and stuff and then kind of just like went through with a bunch of different companies getting like uh like rep flow boxes and stuff until some more companies kind of stuck and and wanted to take me on trips and stuff sick it's pretty much thanks to paul paul kroberger pk good looks oh yeah i feel like the first time i saw you and wes was your parts from a san diego video like when we were in high school if i'm not mistaken was it the one that was like distributed in the magazine Maybe, I can't I remember, man. It was so long ago. It yeah, like it was quite a while ago. Or something. <laughs> For sure. But I, I have people, like, even to this day, come up to me, like, yeah, I remember your part from the San Diego video. Because it was distributed, I think, in a skateboard mag or skateboard or one of those somehow. So, like, it kind of reached across the U.S., like, before the internet boom and everything. Big tangs, man. I got to go rewatch that shit. <laughs> but uh, fast forwarding a little bit skate mafia 
you know, that's obviously where where you made your name back in the day. Uh, how did that connection first pop off? That was pretty much just skating through San Diego and kind of like the dudes we looked up to, like me and Wes would look up to like Smolik and Dan Connolly and all those dudes that were kind of like the Cyrus the Storm generation. And uh, Brandon Turner, of course, be money. Yeah. And I don't know, we kind of just linked up with them. I think it was just kind of through skating in San Diego, like cross connection between crews. And then we all just started hanging out and and uh, filming together and stuff. And then I guess kind of when Skate Mafia became like a legit company, it was, was when they offered me and Wes to ride for them and uh, kind of just organically happened. I mean, nothing really out of, I mean, nothing too crazy, but uh, yeah, they were just like, yeah, we're gonna start making boards now. Like in the beginning, it was kind of just like a crew and they're like, oh, we got picked up by a distribution. We're gonna go on a tour and do some demos and we have boards and stuff. Like, what do, what do you guys think? And of course, me and Wes were down. So we, we looked up to those dudes for sure. Yeah, so that was just a crew before it was official? It was kind of just a crew and like a fun fact was like Dan Conley was going to a design school, like graphic design school. And uh, for his like mm-hmm. final project, he he needed to create like a fictitious brand. And he's like, oh, I'll do Skate Mafia. <laughs> so he kind of did like the logo, the branding and everything for it as if it was a real brand. And then he was like kind of just had had the framework ready and was like, oh, let's just make it a real brand. Oh, that's so sick. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah, he took the crew for his art, for his project, and then uh, <laughs> got his graphic design degree and started a brand. <laughs> wow. Uh, fast forward, like, almost 20 years, still popping. Yeah, yeah so for sick. sure. So that tour was 2004, and it was 28 demos in 29 days across the U.S. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, it was oh. pretty wild. That was me and Wes's, like, introduction to the skate industry. <laughs> One day off, man. Yeah, we had one day off. <laughs> I couldn't tell you which day it was. It's all kind of blurry. Yeah. But uh, I was 15 or 16, and Wes was 14 or 15. I believe he was 14. Damn. Wow. Yeah, that was I wild. I can't imagine that, man. That's like a, a dream come true, or maybe a dream and a nightmare in one. Yeah, it was kind of a dream nightmare come true. It's <laughs> probably why they brought the, the young spectrum. bucks, man. But yeah, for sure. That was wild. I need some extra energy for that one. I'm sure that would be a separate podcast just to explain all those stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes the shoe game can be a tough nut to crack. What was the shoe situation like for you before New Balance? Yeah, it's pretty crazy these days. I mean, in my opinion, it kind of seems like, yeah, you need to break through that barrier and get on. I mean, if you're relying on like, if you're economically relying on a, uh, skateboarding you kind of need like a solid shoe brand i feel like these days mm-hmm. and yeah to get through that filter it's kind of hard these days there's like four or five brands that can kind of keep you economically afloat i guess but uh for me it was kind of like i was getting on s i guess that would be about 10 years ago just before it went under or not went under but before they kind of stopped stopped the skate program it was literally that month I was getting on S as an AM and Kellen James was having his pro shoe come out and they just kind of cut the whole program. And that was pretty devastating at the time because that was like a dream come true for me. But uh, fuck. pretty much from then on, I was kind of floating around trying to figure something out. I got on Vox. Vox was pretty epic at the time as well. 
but it didn't last much more than a few years. But that was a cool program. And then after that, yeah, I was kind of just floating around trying to figure something out. Uh, even got to the point where like, I was already coming to Spain a lot in the summer and I knew all the guys that rode for like DC Spain and DC Europe. And I was like, kind of talking to the team manager about if that was a possibility to get on like DC Europe. And this was before mm -hmm. I had like residency out here or anything. They're like, oh, kind of like legally you couldn't do that because you need to have like uh, paperwork in the in Spain or in Europe, you know, for us to put you on. I was like, okay, I tried that, whatever. Um, and then, yeah, I was kind of just uh, getting shoes from here and there. And then that was when there was like the rumor of iPath getting revamped. And some dudes from iPath, they were like restarting the program and they hit me up about it. And it got all the way to the point where like I had a contract, like a physical contract in my hands. But they weren't, the pay was like not even enough to, to pay rent, to pay half of my rent on, you know. But I was like, fuck, I'm pretty desperate at this moment, you know. And uh, I had a long talk with Josh Preeby, who was like one of the owners of Skate Mafia. He's always been kind of like a, a guru for me and Wes and stuff, helping us out with advice. Because he's had a lot of experience in the industry. He's like, man, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And uh, I was like, yeah, I know, I'm pretty desperate, though. Like, I'm kind of, I'm almost down to take whatever I'm offered, you know? And he's like, no, but, like, that's, no, you're worth more than that, whatever. Like, just wait it out. Like, this is, this isn't good for you. I was like, all right, I'll listen to you. And then, like, no sooner than a few months after, like, saying that I wasn't down for iPath. And it was a good thing, because I don't even know if it really ever got off the ground, you know? <laughs> Uh, I got hit up by Sebastian Palmer, who's kind of the brand manager at New Balance in America. And he was the brand manager at S, and I had met him on, like, one of the few S trips I'd ever gone on. I met him for, like, two days on that trip. And he called me out of the blue. It was crazy. And he said, yeah, we're working on a new program. Um, I'd like to meet up with you and talk to you about it. And so I met up with him, and he just pretty much explained what they were going to try to do, which was the New Balance program like the New Balance Numeric Skate program, start making mm -hmm. shoes and stuff. And I was like, wow, this sounds pretty epic. And he's like, yeah, we'd like you to be a part of it. And pretty much he remembered me from like that one S-trip. He's like, yeah, you seemed like a really Damn. good good head on your shoulders. I remember you like <laughs> cleaning the house and stuff before going skating. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so I guess I guess those little things do make a long impression, like a lasting impression. So yeah. So he, wait, I didn't know you were on from the start. Yeah, so it was pretty much like the original four was like Arto, PJ, Tom Karangelov, and uh, Levi, Levi Brown. And then mm -hmm. the two additions that would join pretty much right after was uh, me and Gordo, me and Jordan, uh, Jordan Taylor. Sick. So it's pretty much from the beginning, yeah. And I was like, yeah, man, this sounds fucking epic. Of course I'm down. So that's kind of how that, that all started. How long ago was that now? It feels like New Balance has been around for a minute. Yeah, it's been... I don't know, man. My concept of time ever since the pandemic is kind of like uh, warped. But uh, yeah. I want to <laughs> say eight, nine years since they started it. Damn. Sick. So what's up, man? Well-deserved. So, But during that time before yeah. New Balance, like, did you have to ever get like a job outside of skating? Like... Cause it's yeah, like you were saying, it can be hard without like a solid shoe sponsor to just even pay your bills and shit. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I was I pretty much moved out on my own at seventeen, and uh, I graduated a year early from high school, so I I went straight into community college, just kind of not sure what to do with my life. Enjoyed skating, but it wasn't like taking me anywhere <laughs> at that time. 
And so I was like paying rent, going to college and or community college. And, and I had a few jobs for those years to, to get by until I pretty much started traveling enough to like not have time to, to go back to community college. And, and uh, yeah, I got to the point where I was like financially stable, quote unquote, to enough to get by. And ever since then, I haven't had to jo- have a job, luckily. But probably from like 17 to 20, I, I worked a little bit. Yeah. Random odd jobs <clears throat> weren't too fun, but they paid the rent. <laughs> Do whatever you can. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. The guru came through with some perfect advice, though, man. Yeah, man. Josh Preeby, like, aka Preebs, he's, yeah. He's always been looking out for us ever since, fuck, like, we're like 14 year olds. We, me and Wes and some other dudes, we'd, we'd go up to Long Beach on like some two day skate missions and we'd stay at his house, like in the living room. Yeah, man. He's been looking out for us forever. That guy's got really the crystal ball, man. Much I might more. have to yeah, for sure. <laughs> hit him up for some NFL picks or something. For sure, man. He probably wouldn't let you down. <laughs> so you and Wes are a classic one-two punch skating together for years. More recently, you and Gustav have been doing it big since you've been out there, shared apart a few years ago. Uh, can you tell us maybe a story about each of them, why you love skating with them and just chilling with those two legends? Um, I mean, Wes just kind of, we kind of met each other at the time when we were both still kind of discovering like who we were as skaters and we kind of had like the same influences in skating and we just, we kind of like developed at the same time. Like we'd skate probably since we met when he was like 14, I was 15, we skated every day or I couldn't even tell you at least a decade every day. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, we were just like. And then me, Wes, and Marius, we were all just skating every day together, just, I don't know, beating off each other, hyping each other up. We were pretty much, like, conjoined at the hip, just every day meet up and go skate, find somewhere to bomb hills or go skate, skate mini ramp. Like, I don't know, we all kind of just, I think we all helped each other, like, progress and kept each other hyped for sure, so... I mean, there's so many stories with me, Marius, and Wes. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're pretty much just like brothers, man. What's Marius up to these days? We got to get him on the pod one day. Yeah, man. He he's actually he's in Finland. He moved back to Helsinki, where he's originally from. Oh shit. Yeah, he's he's been there for about two years. Pretty much all his family that were living in San Diego, they're all they've all pretty much gone back, gone back to Finland. Hmm. So yeah, he's back there. I think he's just uh, just skating out there. He's got a solid crew of homies out there as well. So he's in good hands. Okay. I don't know. Like one one individual story is hard because Wes is just like such a full package of like <laughs> always in a good mood, always hyping everyone up, super sociable. Just yeah. always smile. I don't know. The when I picture him, I just picture like ball energy, always smiling. Um, <laughs> this is a pretty random story but I, I haven't thought about like us back in the day in a while but uh so he he kind of had like adhd like he never drank coffee never drank soda but he's always just like spracked like if i woke up and slept well and had a coffee in the morning we'd be on the same like energy level as if he just slept like four hours and just woke up with no coffee <laughs> like he's just he's just on as soon as his eyes open always like it's crazy yeah and so I remember, like, back in the day, he was just a ball of energy, man. Like, he, on the skateboard, he would just 
start hucking tricks that you never even seen him do down like gaps, stairs, and like pretty much stick it like first, second try. He was just, I don't know, he was just a ball of energy. And so one time we picked him up. This is the only time in my life that I'd seen him like this. We pick him up, he hops in the van, and instead of just like super energetic and sociable and hyped and like smiling, he just gets in, sits in the middle row, and just sits there. Hey, hey guys, how's it going? I was like, what the fuck, Wes, what's good? <laughs> He's like, oh, my, my parents made me take my medication today. Oh, Because oh. I guess he was supposed to be taking like ADHD medication when he was growing up. Yeah. I mean, if you, right. if you cherry pick the evidence enough, every kid has ADHD. They're just kids with mm-hmm. energy, you know? And so it's yeah. good that his parents didn't make him take that stuff. But the one time I saw him like that, I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. And just yeah, imagine it's crazy like, the effect that can have. Yeah, imagine if he actually had to take that medication that he was prescribed, like, all the creativity and energy that would have been lost, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, damn, man. Can't uh, yeah. be living like that. If you noticed it so intensely, like, that one time. It's like, crazy. It still yeah. sticks out in my head today. It was the only time I ever saw him in, like, on that type of energy level. Complete Fuck. different vibes. Yeah. <laughs> what about the legend Gustav? Um, I guess a pretty good story that kind of exemplifies Gustav's approach to skating would be uh, we're skating this spot in like Forum in Barcelona and it's like this bump over grass gap. We're kind of just messing around there one day and he just started trying to switch back 360, like started getting close super fast and the rest of us were just sitting there like, what the fuck? He should be filming that. That's like amazing, you know? Um, The clip's in his new part in the Sour Solution 3 video, but... uh. So he's like getting close, getting close. And like for me, if I start getting close or even if there's a remote chance, I think I can do something. I'm telling the filmer to pull the camera out. But uh, so he's just sitting there like doing it by himself. And then next thing you know, he just does it perfect. And uh, I mean, you don't see a switchback three that often. So we're like, fuck, he should have filmed that. It's crazy. And then after that, he came over and he's like, Simon, like to Simon Isaacson. Yeah, we should film this or like you're down to film this. And I just thought it was crazy that he like spent the time to do it perfect before thinking about pulling the camera out. Right. Like he's just a very calculated person. He kind of knows exactly. Seems like he knows exactly what he's doing, even though you might not look like it from an outside perspective. Like uh, obviously, with every really good skater, there's there's a um, kind of a, me- a method to the madness. Yeah, and sure. sometimes even with Gustav, it seems like illogical or nonsensical, but definitely has like a very calculated method to his madness and everything he does from in front of the camera to behind the camera. It's like really well thought out, and um, I would say more calculated than it looks to the naked eye. I guess. Yeah, that's not all that surprising, man. Like I always think of him as a mad scientist with the shit he be cooking up. What is this? A center for ants? How can we be expected to teach children how to learn how to read? The center needs to be at least three times bigger. Derek Zoolander from Zoolander. This quote was brought to you by CHPO brand. Always doing it for the people. So while we're on story time, can you give us a little story about Peter Smolik for the people? Maybe something they haven't heard before. Good or bad story? 
Yeah, well, your choice, uh, man. <laughs> uh, let's see. I remember, uh, I remember a pretty epic moment on that Skate Mafia tour in 2004. You go back and watch the edit, which was called Pillage of the Village. There's like a, I think it was in Texas, we did a demo one morning. And at this point, he had like disappeared for a few days on the on the tour. We lost him a few, a few cities back, probably like a state or two back, honestly, because we were moving pretty quick every day. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Smolik was just MIA after one of the demos. And then uh, all of a sudden, he just showed up, got a ride from some random homies that he had met on the, on the tour <laughs> to got a ride to another state met up with us at the demo and he was just looking pretty devastated i'm not gonna sugarcoat it and uh walked out in some slippers and there was like a massive 12 stair at the at the skate park and somehow he just early melon grabbed it i want to say first try <laughs> just got out i don't even remember him like skating the demo i just remember him having some slippers on and looking over and he just early melon this massive 12 it was like an oversized 12 stair and, uh, yeah, and he just went up to the camera and he's like, I got her done, hit me. Like, damn, I guess he did. I guess he handled the demo. But that was wild, like going from like not knowing where he was for a few days to showing up looking looking a little bit done for and then just early melanin, like pretty much the size of like a 14-set set. That was pretty sick. He didn't skate 28 of 29 demos then, huh? Probably. Nah, he missed short. a few. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's insane yeah so you mentioned it before but you moved to uh, Spain living in Barcelona what was behind that move man how'd you end up out there so originally I was coming out here I met a bunch of friends that were from Spain like mostly from Madrid uh, I met them in San Diego they were all out there on vacation and uh, I ended up moving into the house they were living at randomly in San Diego like Pretty much felt like I was the foreigner, but I was in my hometown. <laughs> and uh, just became really good friends with them. And when it came time for them to leave, like when their visas were up, they uh, they pretty much had a huge like garage sale in front of the house and sold all their shit. And kind of just spur of the moment, I was like, I'm just going to sell all my shit too and go back to Spain with them. And so I sold all my stuff and went to Spain and stayed for like three, four months that summer with them. And then... Uh, I was just like, man, I started learning a little bit of Spanish and just like really enjoyed the environment out there and and just made really good friends with all of them. And so I just started going every summer for like eight or nine years in a row. When it came like summertime, I would just, wherever I was living in San Diego, I'd move out and either sell all my stuff or put it in storage and just go to Spain for three or four months. Eventually, it just got to the point where I realized like, ah, I just, I mean, I knew at some point I was like, I could see myself living out here. Like, it feels really comfortable. I've learned the language. I have a lot of friends. It's kind of like a home away from home. And uh, I got to the point in San Diego where I just kind of wanted to change, like a new chapter in life. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to like stay motivated when you've lived in the same city your whole life. I mean, as far as like going out to skate and finding new spots and I don't know, everything was just feeling a little bit stale. And I just needed like a change. And so I applied for a visa to Spain, like at the at the Spanish embassy in Los Angeles. And when they approved it, I just got a one-way ticket and moved out there. Kind of didn't look back. <laughs> Damn. Sick, man. And that's what's at so. the time, that's like, I was, I was kind of between Barcelona and Madrid. And because all the sour dudes were in Barcelona and it's kind of, 
more relevant, like industry-wise, I decided to move to Barcelona, and I just figured I'd go to Madrid and see my homies whenever I wanted. But yeah, so that's mm-hmm. Sour Dudes pretty much brought me to Spain or to Barcelona, I would say. Sick move, man. We heard when you first moved out there, you were operating a skate hostel. What's the story there? Yeah, so at the time, like I was talking to to Prebs, Josh Preby, and he was like, "Oh man, yeah, if you're going out there and you're looking for a spot." Like, try to get an extra room or two, and we'll help you with the rent through Skate Mafia and through JSLV. That was when JSLV clothing was still going. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, yeah, do that. Get an extra few rooms. We'll help, you with the, we'll help you with the rent, and that way we can have some people come through and, like, film and stuff, and they have a place to stay. Oh, and I was, like, I was like, yeah, for sure. That sounds amazing on my end. So I ended up finding, like, a three-bedroom spot just for me, and... Uh, I mean, I was just so hyped when I moved here that I was pretty much just telling everyone I came across that, like, oh, I got a spot in, in Barcelona, come through, like, yeah, yeah, I'll show you around, <laughs> you can stay at the house, well, just kind of, what would be the word, over-announcing it, <laughs> just based off the new hype that I had out of here. And, um, yeah, when, when you, I guess when you have a spot in Barcelona, the word spreads pretty quick. The next thing <laughs> yeah. you knew, like, I moved into the spot, I think, like, three weeks after I'd moved into that house, Marius was like, yeah, I'm coming out with Habitat. Can we stay at your house? It's like six or seven of us. I was like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so those dudes came out. Like, I, I made sure there was a bed for everyone. Like, just kind of furnished the house accordingly. And uh, they came out. And then when they left, it was like another crew came through. I couldn't even tell you all the people that came through. But it was pretty much like maybe a week or two window in between, like, people coming out and hitting me up. And, of course, I was just going to say yes. So... <laughs> people were just constantly coming through at the house and it yeah just all these, all of a sudden like a year went by and it was like yeah proper skate hostel style like probably had like i don't know 60 to 80 people come through in a year holy shit <laughs> crashing wherever wow. they could like i don't know maybe five to five to seven people each time like just in waves and of course the skate mafia dudes were part of that <laughs> yeah. but uh but yeah, it was it was sick, but it got a little overwhelming towards the end, and uh, I was like, all right, I think the, the skate hostel air is done after like a year and a half, and <laughs> closed up shop and moved into a little studio. <laughs> I wonder if uh, our buddy Devin was the straw that broke the camel's back. I remember him telling us that he, he met you and kicked it with you. I don't know if he stayed at your place, but he's a filmer from uh, from Toronto. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, I, I do know what you're talking about. I remember now, yeah, yeah. No, he was cool. He was probably the last straw, <laughs> huh? He closed the doors after Devin know, came he through. He was the last straw. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh. Yeah, so, fuck, that must have been a lot of partying. Wes was saying he was impressed and wanted to know how you went from... Because usually when you visit Barcelona, you know, the partying goes hand in hand. But how did you transition from that to, like, actually, like, a normal, healthy lifestyle out there? <laughs> those people coming through <laughs> for sure it's not the easiest thing i mean if if you want a party you can find a party pretty much any hour of the day any day of the week out here <laughs> but yeah I, I think the mentality changes at a point where if you come out here on a trip you have a trip mentality you're kind of more on like vacation mode and you're gonna try to utilize or like take advantage of every moment by either skating or partying and you kind of don't like fall into a a routine which in turn is kind of a healthy routine you know just like a normal lifestyle you're kind of just like on the go all the time 
Mm-hmm. So after like a year or two of being here, obviously you kind of develop a, a routine and like a lifestyle and hopefully it goes towards the healthy route, which it did for me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> partying's it's cool <clears throat> to a point, but it's a lot of, uh, I mean, you end up with a lot of people that are on the same level as you kind of, I mean, I, I guess I'm speaking personally, not, not objectively, but uh, uh, not a lot of people are on the same level as you not like the same mental wavelength. And uh, sometimes you feel like a lot of people are kind of like sucking energy from you or kind of like trying to feed off the energy or the hype around like the skate world and, I don't know. It just didn't feel like a very healthy environment for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it's especially just finding your hype for skateboarding is is a really important part of it of the equation too. Because the older you get, the harder it is to like bounce back if you go out drinking, for example, or stuff like that. And I kind of just realized consciously that I'm getting older and I'm trying to take care of my body. Like it's the only body I have. And. uh taking me this far it's it's my vehicle so i'm trying to trying to keep the maintenance up on it you know it's it's taking me this yeah. far like why am i gonna why am i gonna treat it like shit if it's treated me this well up until now as sinner so. once said extend it b but uh yeah <laughs> those 4 a.m estrellas probably get old after a while i feel you. <laughs> for yeah. sure i mean yeah you can extend it in that aspect or you can extend your career and, and live <laughs> yeah, a healthy yeah. lifestyle yeah, i think that's what sinners keep the wheels rolling <laughs> <laughs> there's two parts to it because it's like physically you're not being too healthy and not being too uh kind to yourself and then kind of like energy wise too you're kind of putting yourself in uh not the best energy environments all the time so you're kind of draining yourself on two ends so i mean if you can get out of that it's, you're definitely gonna be able to get a little farther in life i would say for sure the sour and skate mafia connection runs deep so deep y'all even did a combined video which was amazing. Now that you live in Spain, has the conversation ever come up to switch or is it skate mafia for life? Um, <laughs> it's definitely come up quite a few times. Oh, <laughs> definitely. definitely. <laughs> I can imagine. Definitely in the first few years, like, of course, uh, having a little bit of alcohol involved in the equation, the, the talk becomes a little more <laughs> semi-serious, I guess you'd say. I mean, not serious, but like, it goes a little farther, like than you would normally probably let it if you're just uh, sober. But we had nights where, like, all right, he, like everyone on sours, like pretty much the night's ending, like with the words, like, oh yeah, he's on, Tyler's on sour. <laughs> <laughs> Next day, I'm like, all right, I gotta quit, guys. Like, I'm skate mopping for life. You know, you guys are the homies. But and so I probably oh, in that in that as in that uh, sense, I probably been on and off. 10 times. <laughs> Probably been on for been on sour for half a night and then kicked myself off the next morning. Oh shit. Appreciate the honesty. Did not expect that. But no, I mean, I don't think there's anything it pretty much feels like one company, you know. I mean, if you have to put a label on it, Skate Mafia for sure, but like we're all such family that I don't really know. It doesn't really feel like a it doesn't really feel like there's a border. It's kind of blended together. I mean, I always refer to it as like open relationship. <laughs> Having said that, it's game mafia for life. Yeah, just just so the record is clear, it, it's it's mafia, right? Yeah, for sure, without a doubt. So another tidbit from Wes: We hear you're dating the Nyjah Houston of roller skating. 
How did that relationship <laughs> spark? Uh, tell us a bit about your superstar girlfriend. Is that verbatim from West, the Niger Houston of roller skating? Yes, yes. It oh. is. I would say she's more like the Gons of roller skating. Okay, Ooh. okay. The Mark Gonzalez, because uh, <laughs> she's kind of like, it's such a new world that she's kind of like innovating a lot of stuff in the streets because there's there's like a few established transition skaters, but she's kind of like taking new new levels to the streets, I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I'm probably biased because she's my girl, but I I definitely think she's like innovating pretty gnarly. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's sick to watch though because it's not like inline skating. It's it's like quad skating with two trucks and four skate wheels, you know, on each on each skate. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, it comes. It's essentially like the same thing as skating in the sense that like grinds are grinds with trucks. There's like the slides are slides in between the trucks and. They use skate wheels, like, I don't know. It's kind of just like an altered version of, like, a skateboard. The way I see it, it's pretty trippy, but she definitely kills it. She's, like, she's pretty little physically, physically-wise, but uh, she definitely, like, summons a lot of power from her body. It's crazy. So I've seen her take some slams, too. That was pretty crazy to see, but she just bounces right back. Do you guys go yeah. out together ever, or is it, like, different crews, different vibe? She has her own crew for sure, and like I have my own. But yeah, we go out skating together, and and uh, I try to like because she's pretty new to like, I mean like what she's doing. There's no precedent, you know. It's it's pretty new world. So I kind of try to like help her come up with some ideas and stuff, and like tell her what I think would look sick. And uh, yeah, we just kind of feed off each other, and we go out skating together for sure. Like, I remember one day we went skating, one of the, like, first time we went street skating, like, filming and shit. Or she was filming, and I was just with her, like, I don't know, just on the session. But I remember doing, like, a back 180 nose manual on this little gap to, to Manny Pad. And she was like, oh, that was pretty sick. Like, I'm going to try that. And then she did, like, back 180 nose manual, 360 out. And I was like, damn, you're just like, you're taking me out like that, all right? That's what's up. Oh, shit. But it's, it's sick to see. It's It's cool. I mean... I don't know. At the end of the day, like, if you have a girl, would you rather be, like, bummed and tell your homies you can't go skate that day because you have to, like, go to the mall with her? Or would you rather spend time, like, <laughs> doing sharing the same passion? I came to the conclusion that, I don't know, that's kind of what I prefer is the latter, and I'm pretty stoked on it. Uh, Wes, remember that. The Mark Gonzalez, not the Nigel yeah, Houston. Let's, for let's fuck's sake. Come on. How <laughs> 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 dare Wes, the Nigel. Come on. <laughs> Dude, what's the industry like for roller skating for your girl? Does she like, is she like have to work or she's like getting paid to roller skate too? So it's pretty crazy. There's like, there's like two sponsored skaters, roller skaters, probably in the whole industry, and she's one of them. Wow. Damn. And she has probably one of two like pro model skates with her own wheel and what? everything. Yeah. That's so fucking she's crazy. Kinda, she's killing it for sure. So she she gets by off that, but uh, that's that's what I'm saying. She's like one of the innovators of this industry. Yeah. And the crazy the crazy thing is like skating technically came from from roller skating. You know, I mean. So as a skater, I have to give some respect to it because definitely what we <laughs> do pay double respect stems from there from that yeah. origin. Yeah. Wow. That's, but that's uh, cool. yeah, so she got a video part we can watch. Um, if you look up like Barbie Patin. Patin mm-hmm. is like skate in, in Spanish. 
Yeah. Barbie, like the doll, that's her name. Yeah. And Patin, and she has some parts out there. Crazy. Check that. She's she's working on a part right now that I think will come out in March that will probably be pretty sick, like All Street and stuff too. So that's fucking wild. Yeah. Can you tell us about the French Tootsie Roll and the Greek Potpourri? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Those were a few. Of, those were a few of the blunders in my in my weed smoking career. But uh, yeah, the French Tootsie Roll was, <laughs> was on a Billabong trip. Um, we were pretty much going like city to city every other day, just street skating and whatnot. And I was trying to find something uh, smokable for the for the ride. And pretty much like right before we were gonna hop in the bus to leave met this guy on the street like I was speaking really shitty French and he was speaking really shitty English we pretty much understood what we were saying and he showed me some hash that I was trying to buy from him and it looked pretty good it smelled good it passed all the tests and I was like yeah like I gave him I think I gave him 50 euros and uh everyone was like rushing me in the in the bus already so I'm like trying to do this as quick as possible I think I like looked back to tell him like yeah one second one second And uh, in that moment, I think he pulled the old switcheroo on me and like put the good hash in his pocket and pulled out which what looked like a tootsie roll, but it looked like the same thing, you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, and he gave me that. I fucking pretty much put it in my pocket, ran, hopped on the bus, and was like, "All right, we're good. We're good for the trip." And um, pretty much like a few minutes into the drive, I pulled it out and smelled it. I was like, "This is not the same thing he showed me." And I was like, "Oh, this is just like a piece of candy, pretty much." Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. And so, like Rodney Johnson, rest in peace. He was, he was like, "Oh, you got fucking tooks. You got tooks. You got tooks for the tooksy roll." <laughs> I was like, "Damn it, you're right." And so, pretty much, my nickname became Tooksy. <laughs> oh, fuck. from Rodney and those boys. But yeah, it was pretty funny. And then, uh, yeah, the story in Greece with the potpourri. So that was coming back full circle. That was uh, that was on the S trip that I met uh, Sebastian. We did a trip to Cyprus, and I would say a good majority of the crew was smoking at the time, so we were all definitely trying to find something to smoke. And out there, it's obviously not the easiest mission, um, especially like in Greece in general. But being on an island in Greece made it even harder. Mm -hmm. And I think like four or five days into the trip, we met a guy who was claiming he had like some really good stuff. And uh, so we got his number, and we ended up meeting him that night. And we pretty much just did like a quick exchange. Like we all pitched in. I think we gave him like 150 euros, and he gave us like I think it was a folded up piece of paper with like which we thought was weed inside. <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, this is the fire. This is the fire." We're like, okay, sounds good. We took it back to the house. We didn't want to like check it in public, you know, because it's pretty strict out there with those types of laws. So we got to the house. We opened it up. We're like man, this does not look like a fire. This looks pretty bad. Like, I don't know. And then we're like, all right, let's just try to smoke it. I guess we were with Manzuri. Mike Manzuri was the filmer on that trip, and uh, we were all kind of like hesitant to try it. But we're like, fuck, we just paid a lot of money. Like, we're already kind of invested, so we should just try it and see. And so we rolled a joint, and then Manzuri tried it. Took like the biggest rip possible, just held it in, and then finally blew it out. And he's like, yeah, that's not weed. <laughs> and, uh, like, damn and so i tried like the littlest teeny hit and i got like super lightheaded and it didn't feel right and i was like oh what the fuck yeah this isn't weed 
was like, holy shit, I can only imagine what, like, Manzuri was feeling. He just, like, took the biggest rip possible and held it in for, like, 20 seconds. That took, like, a nothing hit and got lightheaded. And uh, we called the guy, and Manzuri was like, yeah, mate, like, I, I've been smoking for, like, 30 years. Like, this isn't weed. Like, I, I know what I'm talking about. And the guy's like, oh, you wanted weed. Like, blah, blah, blah. And he, like, played stupid. Like, we were asking him for something else. And so anyways, yeah, it just ended up being like, I think we paid 150 euros for some potpourri in Cyprus. Oh. Damn. <laughs> Fuck sakes, blood. Fucking <laughs> bastard. Yeah. Whatever is a good story. Can you take us behind the scenes on your ridiculous frontside 180 fakey 50 frontside half cab flip into the bank? Yeah, that's, that's funny you brought that up because I remember, well, I'm sure we'll get to those rapid fire questions, but that's one of the ones I was thinking of for that. Sick. But, uh, yeah i don't remember exactly how that came out came came about but uh yeah that spot is like home avenue so we called it home av ditch and um i think it was pretty much just popped up on the radar and we started to go there and i kind of just remember learning that trick kind of around that time period like 180 fakie 50s it just kind of was like a natural natural flow like into the turn into that trick and that spot kind of just like lined up perfect for that type of trick. I remember doing like 180 fakie 50 pretty easy. And uh, I remember filming that and like shooting a photo for this JSLV ad. And I was like, probably try to flip out. Like I think I, I'd done it on a few bank to bank to ledges or bank to benches or something. So like I, I knew the motion, but I was like, oh, this spot would be perfect for it. But it's definitely like a, like a, the same version of a bank to bench, but on steroids with, with some yeah. Chinese. And so I started trying it. I remember like the first time I tried it, it was kind of working out. I was like flipping it. Couldn't really get myself to stay right above it, like to catch the fronts, fakie fronts to flip out. And uh, I think I remember just like getting into the grind because the edge on that wall wasn't too perfect. It was like kind of crunchy and beveled. So you had to wax the shit out of it. And I think I got into a fakie five just before I started waxing it on one try. So it just really stuck. But I had all my weight like pushing the momentum towards like the fakie 50 and i flew back and put my wrist down and uh, i just remember feeling like a little pop in there i was like "Ooh, that's oh. not good and i never went to the doctor but like yeah my, my wrist was bad i had to stop that day and i think i like wrapped it with a belt or something because it was super sore and i think i was like three months like wearing a brace or i don't know it was just really painful oh. So I kind of had to give up on that one for a little bit and then i think it was like six months later like oh let's just go try to get that one so that one was definitely like stuck in my head it was on it was on the back burner for sure and uh i don't remember too much about the battle but it just kind of worked out that day and all of a sudden i was rolling away it was one of those kind of blackout tries dude that was fucking gnarly <laughs> definitely when rick howard did that in the air right it was like wow this trick is fucking sick looking and then i remember west did one like shortly after and I don't know. That was definitely probably the first one, the Rick Howard one, but I was like, damn, this trick's sick. And I think subconsciously I was just trying to learn that shit because it looked so good. The way, he, <laughs> the way he did it, the way Wes did it later, and I was like, yeah. Glad I got to bring that one to something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, another one. How the hell did you nollie tray off that steep bank spot in Barcelona that somehow you and Gustav always skate? Take us behind the scenes on that one. The one he fakey trade off it. Oh, yeah, the Arc de Triumph spot. I would probably just have to give most of the credit to Goose because <clears throat> when I moved out here, 
he was already skating that shit like it was a kicker and I didn't really understand but uh just watching him skate it and I guess just uh skating with him all the time it kind of helped me see things in a new perspective and there was a point where we were skating that spot quite a lot and I guess you just got kind of get comfortable with it and you kind of feel the wally like the, mm-hmm. the way it kind of jolts you up and then you can kind of like reposition yourself and like get a little kicker off of it kind of like a, a two-point wally like a wally and then kick off of it yeah so it's probably just a combination of like yeah watching goose with his unique perspective and uh skating it enough to get comfortable we, we have a local homie named ollie that used to live right next to that spot and he would skate it like it was a fucking quarter pipe, man. He would do like all these things. I mean, EJP and also Bjorn Holman is the owner of Sour. They all skated it the same where they could like get some serious air off it, which is crazy. So I think yeah. it was just like a combination of seeing all those dudes. Like, yeah, I guess it is possible. You just got to get comfortable. And eventually it just works out, I guess. When you just see it in videos and stuff, you're like, oh, it's like a pretty chill, skatable, like small bank. And then when you go there for the first time, you're like what the hell is this thing like how are people like even grinding it man like you also skated it like you did back nose one shove on it too right uh yeah yeah, yeah like they like battle too ride up pop into a trick and then back into the bank just seems impossible when you're there for the first time but i guess the the more you skate it the more comfortable you get for sure i think a lot of the skate appreciation is when you go to spots you've seen in videos and then you actually yeah. realize like how hard it is in person yeah i think that happens with a lot of spots mm-hmm. but a lot of those tricks i would say they start as kind of like a joke where you just fling shit and you're like oh this could actually probably work out like if, if i gave some time yeah. put some time into it all right and and last trick we want to go behind the scenes on gotta be switch big flip uh over the rail the wave spot in bars that was pretty big battle that actually started as kind of a joke too i think i was just there with like we were passing the spot one day me and goose and we're like oh let's just get some switch ollies on it and like fuck around and i think i just switched ollie it switch ollie it that day with him and just like damn i felt kind of comfortable today like might just try to fling one see what happens and i think it kind of like was going where you could like kind of see that it was possible and i was like oh shit this could be possible and so it started as kind of just a joke fling. I started trying it that day, and I don't think I stuck it that day, but I, I definitely felt like it was possible. And uh, I think that was the trick that the most times I ever had to go back for something was that one. Damn. It, it was pretty funny because I'd recently come back from, well, let's see, I think I tried it two separate occasions probably all afternoon where I was like sticking it but couldn't get it like fully rotated all the way around so it was kind of like a 270 stick fall back mm-hmm. that happened quite a few mm-hmm. times and then uh I think I went to a I went to New Zealand on a New Balance trip and with all the, the like the New Zealand the local currency I had left I bought like a nice bottle of wine that I brought home I was like all right what well, would be a nice occasion to drink this i was like okay i'm gonna go get this switch big flip and then we'll, we'll all celebrate with this nice bottle of new zealand wine <laughs> and so every time like we'd plan the night before like all right let's go to besos and try the switch big flip i'd bring the bottle of wine to the sour office we'd meet up we'd all go skate and then i'd try it like all afternoon three four hours probably bunch of sticks couldn't roll away Go back to the sour office, like, fuck, we're not drinking the wine today. Like, bring it back home, put it in the <laughs> oh. 
was like, all right, next time. Next time, go bring the wine to the sour office. Go battle it all afternoon. Didn't get it. Come back to the sour office. Bring the bottle of wine back to my house. Put it in the fridge. I think I did that like five, six times. Damn. Which is over the course of like probably like eight months. Wow. And then finally one day, uh, I brought it to the sour office, but we weren't actually going to go skate the spot this day. Like it, it wasn't like premeditated like the night before, like all the other times. And uh, we had just went and skated that area. And then, like, we had nothing to do for the last few hours of the day. And it was like, oh, let's go by and try it. And then it just ended up working that day. Like, of course, when you don't put too much thought into it. <laughs> yeah. And it worked out that day. So we went back to the sour office. And uh, I opened that fucking bottle of wine finally. And it, it had gone sour. <laughs> no pun intended. No. Because <laughs> I probably had it for, like, a year and a half in and out of the fridge. Like, Probably shook yeah. it all over, like bringing it to the office and back. And, I mean, I still drank the whole thing, but it didn't taste that good. You, Definitely yeah, wasn't worth like forty dollars I spent on it. <laughs> That's fucking wicked. So fuck, you're out there doing your thing. What's next for Tyler Surrey, man? Um, I think me and Goose and possibly Simon are working on a like a little Thrasher edit. So we've been going on a few trips oh, yeah. for that. So we'll probably do a few more trips. <clears throat> And um, as always, there's like a skate mafia video in the works. I mean, every other year, there's a fucking deadline that comes up. So definitely trying to film for that too on the side. And um, pretty much that. And um, probably coming back to the states for for Christmas time to see the family and friends. And um, my girl's from Argentina. She's from Buenos Aires. So I think we're gonna go to Buenos Aires and see her family in like January, February. Um, I'd only been there once for like a few days, but there's actually some really good skating. So spend some time with her family and skate down there and, uh, it'll be summertime there. So it's another excuse to avoid the, the cold winter here in Spain. Hell yeah. So that'll be nice. And then probably just come back here. Yeah. Come back here after and try to keep filming keep skating and keep the body working. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Looking forward to that fucking video with Gustav, man. Hell yeah. Uh, thank you. Yo, yo, yo. It's Rapid Fire with the Ghost. And this week, we're brought to you by the one and only Spitfire Wheels. Spitfire just released their Venom capsule with art by Mike Gigliotti. The Venom capsule features wheels in two shapes, the classic 53mm and radial 55mm on Formula 4 99D urethane. Check your local shop shelves for limited Venom short and long sleeve shirts and pullover hoods. Visit EXO, Stratosphere, and finer skate shops near you. Spitfire, baby. Let's get some speed, eh? All right, Tyler, you ready for a little rapid fire? Yeah, let's do it. All right, favorite skater? Mm, Jake Johnson. Favorite video? Manic Mahdi. Favorite video part? I would say maybe Wes Kramer's Skate Mafia Am video part or Gustav's reverb part. Ooh. Definitely a fan of those two parts. Classics. Favorite style? Tom Penny. Which skater had the biggest influence on the way you skate? I might say Tom Penny for that as well. Most talented skateboarder on planet Earth? 
Mm, pigeon lad. Favorite trick? Let's say a frontside flip or a back crail. Okay, okay. Hardest trick for you? I mean, it's in the name, impossible. I can't, <laughs> impossible. Same, never done one. Fuck that trick. Never done one either. <laughs> Straight up. That's fucking tough. Most illegal trick? I would say the, the like, tray flip front board that a lot of the contest skaters oh. are doing these days. Yeah. <laughs> that one should be grand. So shit. Less is more. Yeah. Big flip front board, man. Just leave it at that. Yeah, that would, it looks way better than the tray flip front board. Yeah. Don't have yeah. to overdo that. Favorite clip you've ever gotten? That's what I was saying was either maybe the 180 fakie, 50 fakie frontside flip or uh, this nose manual to nollie nose slide on like a handrail in Los Angeles. Damn. Worst trend you've been a part of? I don't think I've ever admitted this out loud. And it only happened <laughs> once. But I remember when like Chris Cole was skating with a sweatband yes. for a little while. I'm throwing myself under the bus with this one, but fuck it. <laughs> and so I, I rocked the sweatband one time, and I ended up filming a clip that day. Oh, and like pretty much God. regretted it after. But in my defense, it had like a Pink Floyd design on it, so I was hyped, more hyped on the design than the actual article. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> guilty. That's fucking wicked. We do weird shit when we're kids, and we have people we look up yeah, to. Yeah, I was young. Good. You're not finding that footy. <laughs> <laughs> Gnarliest trick you've ever witnessed. I would say this double kink board slide that Wes did in oh. uh, downtown San Diego. It was a, I think it was a skateboard mag cover. Yeah, was but that his last trick in that DC part when he won so It was, and yeah. like that rail is not even skatable. It's like downhill run up. It's got a crack like two inches high before you pop. Oh. And it just it doesn't even make sense how the fuck he did that. And like he... He battled that thing. So wow. that was pretty sick to see in person. That's fucking, that's insane. What's the one trick that got away? I think the last two times in San Diego I've tried this one. It's like a Euro gap to Manny Pad spot. And it's pretty rare to find a spot like that. So I, I almost got a frontside three nose Manny on it. Holy fuck. And so that, I think that's the one that got away for now. Damn. Definitely going to try to Damn. get that someday. But never seen at the that. moment we, it's got away from me. We need that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a new one. What's the biggest bunt you've ever witnessed? I guess uh, the biggest bunt I ever witnessed was when I went to Tampa Pro this year with uh, some of the New Balance guys, and including JP, JP Souza, which is one of the funniest dudes ever. But uh, like the day before the qualifiers and everything, he's he's claiming like, I'm taking home the gold, G, I'm taking home the gold, this is going to be my line gonna do this trick boom land this trick bam he just like plots his whole line out the day before even like he was like oh i brought this big bag because i'm bringing home the trophy <laughs> so i guess <laughs> that was the biggest bunt was jp claiming tampa pro win oh, and uh, i can't exactly remember what place he got but but unfortunately he didn't take the gold home <laughs> but uh jamie foy did so it was a win for new balance still <laughs> legend what's the last new trick you learned I think when I was skating this mani pad the other day, and it was like fakey front side flip nose manual, like nollie back 180, like bring it back to fakey. Holy that way. fuck, bro. Damn. That might Probably be MBD. Another influence. Because uh, I've seen Goose do it nollie. Nollie, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so I tried to fakey. I think that was the last trick I learned. 
Yeah, all that one-two punch out there. <laughs> <laughs> What's your dream job after skating? I would say maybe like TM or like a day trader. <laughs> Let's go. Those are completely you do that different. anywhere you live, anywhere you are. So that'd be nice. Yeah, I wonder which one would be more stressful. Seems like both those. Yeah, that's are. a good question. <laughs> yeah. Favorite local brand? I'd say Basin Pleasy, which is this brand that my friend John Rosencrans does. It's like basic, simple, and easy put together in one word. Basin Pleasy. <laughs> Sick. And uh, that, and I would say Lawn Chair Hardware. Favorite local skater? I would say like my homies I grew up skating with, Zach Howe and Kai Gormson. What's the one sponsor you regret riding for? Uh, fiasco Clothing. <laughs> Ask Wes about Fiasco. Next <laughs> time you talk to him. Uh, sounds like a <clears throat> fiasco. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Sorry. Favorite teammate ever? Marshall Heath or Tom Knox. Sick. Both those dudes are like nonstop entertainment. Worst teammate ever. Smolik? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. I never thought I would say that, but I never pictured myself saying that, but I think that's I think that's is the that, answer. Is there a story to go with that? There's a few. <laughs> I he made me drive him home one night after a party super drunk and he uh kept turning up the music super loud and i was like hey keep it, like, turn it down a little bit i'm trying to like concentrate on driving i wasn't drunk but i was like trying to listen to the directions to get him home and yeah he just like slapped me in the face as hard as he could because i kept trying to turn the light down in my oh own my car god. while driving him home. fucking hell oh my god that was pretty annoying <laughs> yeah damn that's, that's very disrespect that'll send you over the edge yeah. yeah, I almost snapped on him. I still gave him a ride home. <laughs> Fuck. Worst company. Let's let's go with uh Telepizza. It's like the Domino's out here in Spain, but it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad we didn't try Perfect. that. At least not that yeah. I remember. Maybe with the four AM experience <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> Worst trend. I'd say like this the stinky leg one foot tray flip catch. Classic. Oh yeah. Felipe Gustavo keeps those alive, man. He won't <laughs> let it go. But he has also got the best tray flip crooks ever. So there's that. Yeah, he fucking rips. He's he's he can get by. He's he's the exception. <laughs> yeah. Next level talented. Worst style. For sure. Oof, I mean I don't know. You guys got Nija fresh in my head now, so I'm not to say that. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> more more clothing style than skate style, but that's still a big part of the style. Yeah, yeah. It still counts, yeah. <laughs> Last person you want on the sesh, man. I mean, if I'm super concentrated trying this trick in San Diego and the homie Lapdog showed up, <laughs> I might be pretty bummed. <laughs> I love him, but I guess I might have to say <laughs> LAPD OG. <laughs> Hell yeah. He's a G, though. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap up our interview with Tyler Surrey, man. You killed it. Thank you for coming through. Appreciate it. I appreciate you guys, man. Hell yeah, Tyler. Hopefully, me and Donald are uh, finding an excuse to get back to Barcelona one of these days. We got to link up on a sesh, man. Yeah, for sure, man. If you guys get out here, hit me up for sure. 
definitely show you guys around. Fuck yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. Welcome back to the post office, brought to you by our good friends at Dickey Skateboarding. Quality workwear since 1922. From the work site, something that me and Safe know very well, to the streets, another place we know very well. Nobody keeps you fitted like Dickies. Hi, right, Ghost, who we got up first? You've got mail. All right, first up, we got an email from Dirty Tom. Wagwan fam, love the pod. Keeping an aging skater across what is happening in the streets. I'm from Australia, but lived in BC a few times in the 2000s. I didn't know who they were at the time, but I disgraced myself getting two turned at a club and van once with Mike Hasty and Sean Hayes. While I lived there, I'd get all the Canadian mags and still have DVDs of Port Moody Blues, Top Dollar, etc. So I love hearing about all the OG Canadians like Mitch, Lapchuk, Trep, Stanger. Keep them coming. Growing up as a youth in pre-internet country Australia, however, the only knowledge I had of Canada and Toronto came from Degrassi Junior High, which played for years on one of the only TV channels. Interested to know your thoughts on the iconic show and why Joey Jeremiah is the undisputed king. I'm assuming 99% of older Toronto skaters were influenced to pick up the board after witnessing him shred up to the school gates. Bless up, dirty. Fuck, I think we're gonna let our boy Dirty Tom down, man. I was definitely not really into Degrassi at all, man. Were you? No, I just Googled Joey Jeremiah. I don't remember him from the show. But like most people in Toronto, you know, around our age, there's Degrassi ties, you know what I'm saying? Toronto's a big city, but it's always like a friend of a friend knows someone who was on the show or, you know, something like that. In our case, we're actually friends with a bunch of people that were on the show and, uh, you know, definitely got love for the show. My sister used to watch it. Like I'd come home and she'd be watching it, but it was never my thing. But I, de- I did see the scene of Drake getting shot. Oh my God. That's for damn sure. Gotta start somewhere, baby. (laughs) Wheelchair Jimmy, you get me. All right, next up, we've got an email from JC. Let's discuss aesthetics. As if Johnny Gay wasn't smooth enough, Welsh had to come through. Gold fronts and laying waste spots on a seven and a half. How do you two feel about a brand like aesthetics? Big shout out to the homeboys, Drew and Nate. Much love. Trust me when I tell you all other skate podcasts are useless. This is the only one that matters. Like we always <laughs> say, lots of room for other skate podcasts, but we appreciate the love, JC. Man, huge fan of aesthetics, obviously. Joey Pepper, Kevin Taylor. Obviously, you said it. Woo Wells, Johnny Gay. Heavy team. Love the sports graphics. One of the best skate brands of all time, man. Yeah, that's that's some Donald shit for sure. You struck a chord. He's been a huge fan for years. Um, I always fucked with it. Uh, Clyde Singleton was a huge inspo as a young uh, person of color growing up. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Clyde. But uh, yo, 
one other thing if if homie from the last email dirty tom ever follows up can we get the backstory on how you disgraced yourself in front of mike hasty and sean hayes <laughs> but yeah yeah shouts to aesthetics for show palace obviously knows what's up and they just did a collab with aesthetics so who else getting a palace board through his aesthetics yeah brain, so I tell you something. That is what's up. Next up, we got an email from Ralph Lloyd Davis. Hi, Donovan. Saifa, one question. What's a man got to do to get Sodi this year? TJ Rogers has put out several parts, held events, put his board sponsor on blast for honest pay, featured on the Nine Club, and dropped a life hammer of beating cancer. Amen. It's Sodi season. We've got skaters dropping multiple parts. Some are preparing a last minute dash across the tracks. Get it? And some ladies are burning down the barns. Nicole, Maria, Samaria, we see you. But yo, I think it's time we drop this strategizing and recognize the real skater who did it this year. Keep putting out great content, fellas. Peace, Ralph. Hey, man, you're not going to find any bigger supporters of TJ than myself and Dono. It's all love. Um, and I hope he's in the contenders. I hope, like, you know, Thrasher makes that list of all the contenders or whatever and gives him a little profile thing. I hope he makes that. But sometimes there's, I don't know, there's just, there's Sodi type dudes that Thrasher likes to focus on. And, and for whatever reason, like, I just feel like TJ is not in that mix this year. Maybe if he drops a last second thing, but I don't know, for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem like it's, it's highly likely, but we also recognize everything you said. Like he, he's had an insane year, man. Mm -hmm. And, and beating cancer, not to, uh, to say the least, um, TJ's a fucking legend, man. Like truly inspirational human being and just like a great friend that man is as real as they come let me tell you he would be more than deserving of sodi man so fuck it fingers crossed for tj man yeah but we we both know or not for a fact but we're both assuming that fucking uh what's his face is gonna drop another part and just put curtains on that shit right who am i talking about talking about louie sorry i had a couple beers still yeah louie dude honestly i'm i'm anticipating one more louie part honestly i think tyshawn might drop a part that just fucks everything right up bro oh shit yeah we're recording a bit early it's thursday right now so tyshawn's part hopefully drops tomorrow whose part i cannot wait tyshawn it's, it's coming tomorrow for sure I don't know. That's what he said on his Insta. Did you not see the trailer? He said, like, dropping Friday, maybe, or something. Oh, I can't remember. Boy. This guy. But you saw Woo! the trailer, right? No, I didn't. What? I just saw Bro, one of our group chats. Someone real posted quick. the uh, Nolly Hardflip over the table again. And I was like. No, no, no. Peep it, dude, peep his Instagram. He posted I'm going the, right now. the most I'm on my way. ruthless trailer with the hypest track. Uh, can't remember the track, but it is some like our high school days type of track. Come on, can't get there fast enough, bro. 
Bro, Tyshawn's trying to like sneak in and what fucking do you mean sneak in, bro. Not sneak in, but I don't know. Like he hasn't dropped another part this year, you know. Usually, like these Sodi chasers be dropping like seven parts. Oh, what's coming on? Oh my god! <laughs> Dono watching live. This might be my favorite skater. Kyler Murray gets sacked of his cover. The, I don't the know if general's we cover on here. Can you hear the song? Yeah, X gonna give it to you. <laughs> I think that came out when we were in elementary school, not even high school. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, the switch Ollie I'm attempt. Excited for lunch break at work tomorrow. Better fucking be there. All right. Yeah, he's a hack in, in skateboarding, man. And by I mean hack in a good way, where it's like He's got special powers. Like he, he's a cheat code. Yeah. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. Like switch Ollie, that shit. There's there's not many people in the world that could even think to try that, you know? Yeah. Fucking Alright. Next up, we've got a big time email from Safe's mom, Sam Benson. Oh god. And it's a fucking long one, say. You didn't, your mom didn't follow your request, man. Hi, Saifa, Dono, and Ants. I was listening to the Anthony Korea interview just now, and in the rapid-fire section, when asked about best style, his answer struck me. He said that style is something missing from skateboarding today. Skaters are more interested in tricks and tech and less about style now, something along those lines. It made me think about all the dancers and gymnasts I follow on Instagram. The technique in the last <laughs> 10 years in these forms of body movement have truly gone off the charts. It's almost inhuman what can be done, and it makes you wonder what could possibly come next. But there are fewer and fewer who have real style. I know these are totally different sports, but the question of style versus technical remains the same. It made me wonder two things. I've heard you guys say in the past that taller people have a harder time in skateboarding, getting air and jumping stairs, etc. But in my opinion, bigger people look better on the board. The beautiful lines of a long-limbed person, if they have good style just takes the trick up so many notches for me would you agree that taller people have better style in general even if they don't get as much pop secondly do you think there is hope <laughs> for the future of style in this is this an aspect of skating that the olympics might actually put some pressure on in the future or would judging a skater's style just be wrong i think i understand that having style in skateboarding is supposed to be inherent and not put on so maybe the whole question is mute you either have to have it or you don't, and it can't be something you work on. Just curious. Love the pod. Loved watching the Bunt Jam unfold on IG. And if you do start giving out more prizes for your Patreon members, I may just join up. The shade. <laughs> P.S. I think the ghost has the best style out there, but I may be biased. <laughs> oh, Woo! my God, Mom. Sam coming <clears throat> into the post office hot. One of our favorite post office regulars. <laughs> And I think she's absolutely right. That was actually right. A, a pretty good question for someone who's never stepped foot on a board. But she nailed it, man. Style is just something you have. You can't work on it. And for the skateboarding purists, man, it means more than the tricks half the time. You know? Like, Tyshawn yeah. is the perfect example of pushing the boundaries of skateboarding while making it still look incredible you know there are very f few skaters who do that and it's one thing that the olympics lacked completely but the olympics got very lucky 
that Utah won. He did it for the real skaters, the real, you know, yeah. street skaters. So the Olympics lucked out in having a real one win gold because it could have been a very terrible, well, that's pretty harsh, but a poor representation of the skateboarding we love to see if someone else had a one. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't have said it better myself. Utah. <laughs> I remember like seeing everyone getting eliminated one by one because there was only a handful of like skate like street street skaters there and Yuto was like the last man standing in the finals and it was so nice to see him win that. Yeah. But uh, do you think there is hope for the future of style? A hundred percent. Like every generation is going to have a handful of just next next level incredible styles like uh Maybe I'd say one of the best from our generation around our age, like Antoine Dixon mm -hmm. and loving seeing, I don't know if you have him on Insta, but he's looks like he's been skating a lot lately and he posted this fucking clip, switch healing a gap and switch front side flipping it like a week or two ago. Oof. That just like made my day, man. Cause I, I, I'm so used to seeing him on Insta doing like his go-tos, but when he broke out the switch front side flip, I'm like, okay, my man's on point again. Like he's just such a beast but th there's only gonna be like one antoine every you know so many yeah, years it's now, man. Um, uh yeah tyshawn's a beast i don't know he doesn't have to me it's like completely different style than antoine obviously but um yeah i don't think I, there is hope to answer your question mom there is hope there's tons of people coming in with the talent like you're kind of talking about but um i don't know i don't know there's just people that are meant to do certain things and we get lucky enough every once in a while that someone who's meant to skate mm -hmm. picks up a skateboard and they just have that incredible natural style absolutely so there's hope but it's kind of nice too that it's rare right to have that next level style if everyone had amazing style it wouldn't be as special i feel like so yeah who who's your favorite style these days donald like newer generation newer generation the beautiful thing that i like is like there are people pushing the boundaries of technical and how hard the tricks are but there's still a whole other section of people still dropping like the best parts like guys like bobby and louie and tyshawn like all those guys are as good as anyone in any contest but doing the skating mm -hmm. that we still want to see you know but my favorite style yeah. right now is Yalda, man. Just a big dude doing manis. It's what I want to see. Oh, yeah. She's a perfect uh, person for my mom to go watch his style because she's biased as hell saying I'm the best style. <laughs> yeah, go peep, go peep Yalda, uh, the god. <clears throat> he's about our height, and he's got fucking incredible style. Um fuck i don't even know who my favorite style is these days i'll try and remember to answer that next week <clears throat> um all right thanks mom love you next up we got an email oh my god you just had to read my mom's long ass one bro look what look what i get to read here next up we got an email oh from gosh. hank august <laughs> who selects the intro clip every week I love it. Uh, Hank, just major shout out to you.
for that extremely concise email. You're a legend. And that's all 100% Ants1, the god himself, man. Major shouts to the fucking boss that is Ants1 behind these scenes. Yeah, Ants1 moving to the UK next week. Big time legend. We wish him all the luck and uh, hope he loves it over there. And if you're in the UK and you see Ants1 on the streets, make sure you hit him up. With It's a cool thing still. Yeah, y'all better, like, we see our stats for, like, global, where people are listening from, and I think UK is number three. I think it's the States, Canada, then UK. So, y'all better be, y'all better welcome ants with open arms, you get me. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, next up, we've got an email from Alan Kitzmiller. Is shove it lip slide the most illegal trick of all time? Wow, another fucking beast, concise email. Very good one. Uh, yeah, that that's one of the worst tricks of all time. It's hard to say what the worst trick of all time is, but that is very high on the list. Like a pop shove Smith is illegal, but a pop shove Lip is even lazier and whacker. Like that's not even a fucking trick. Front shove ha- Lip, half a body burial. Also, just as bad. But I actually have a new contender. Crook to back 5-0 is oh. one of the most atrocious things. Like, <laughs> well, who's doing that? Oh, uh, little. We'll talk. We'll talk off air. But just while it's in my head, <laughs> I thought of something. Uh, what the worst trend of all time the other day, and I don't know if I'll ever. If someone's going to ask it in the post office soon or if it's going to come up in an interview or intro. So I feel like now is a good time to get it off my chest. Um, first of all, ankle socks. I fucking hate ankle socks. Like <laughs> shorts. Like even if you have shorts on, nobody needs to see your ankles. But people who wear their pants that like rise up above their ankles and then have ankle socks on. So you have pants and then skin and then shoe is... Oh, so far I saw. To me. I don't know. I just I popped saw, it in I, my head the other day when I was driving to hockey. I want to get that. You know what? I saw it. It looked really weird, but you know who's doing that a lot is like NBA dudes. Oh, I was watching the, the Warriors game. Yeah. Like Draymond Green does that. Like, but I was watching um, the Warriors Lakers game the other day. Shout out to that beatdown. And. I just saw some vans on the side and I I don't know who it was, but it was a coach just rocking vans, but they had that where it was just like the clean, clean vans and then ankle and then pants. And I was like, yo, that just like looks painful. But I think that's because we're skaters. We're so used to like shinners and like just any bare skin is just such a target (laughs) to get fucked up that like, I think that's probably why. We aren't about that life. I hate the look. We, we're just picturing grip tape fucking oh. tearing you up. Yeah. All right. For fuck's sakes, Peyton. <laughs> we got an email from Peyton Dyer. Trying to send in a little novel thing. Dear Bump Boys, I got to eat a big old plate of crow. I wrote in last season suggesting that backside nose grind, frontside 180 out, and frontside nose grind backside 180 out as well as their shove it counterparts should be added to the illegal list you agreed on the shove it part 
of my suggestion, but Seifa had some tagline about backside 180 <laughs> out of frontside nose grind uh, being hard, so it's okay. Could you reference a clip where one of those look good? I'm genuinely curious. I'm eating crow on the other one. Backside nose grind, frontside 180. I was watching the Hellas fellas video for the 20th time again because the whole video is incredible. Everyone in that vid has a hard body ledge arsenal. The crow was served uh, piping hot when I watched toward the end of TV Gormit's part. He coined a backside over crook to over rotated nolly half gab out. It was fucking beautiful. I knew I had to write in and eat my words respectfully. We're all still in agreement. The shove out from the way you came in looks terrible. For example, Tony Vitello's last post. Well, this email was sent eight days ago. So we'll try and find that. We are still in... Uh, Thanks for everything you do, Bunt Lords. Best fucking pod in the game. P.S. Switchback tails are the best feeling trick in the world. P.P.S. Watch Josh Jones' Vix Market 2 part for the mind-blowing of a lifetime. <clears throat> I wonder if he was saying that switchback tail thing because you tried to say that I do switchback tails too much. Mm. Or that was if you had to pick. But maybe if you knew how to do them, Dono, <laughs> you'd be running them a little more often. I've eh? done one. <laughs> what? One? That's it? Yeah, I don't care. I did it. Switchback tail? Damn. If I had to guess, I would have guessed you'd done like at least 23. 20 th Dude, I have done one and it was fucking clean, so I just never done it again. <laughs> I have it on my computer somewhere, too. It was fucking crisp. Yo, post that in the story. I would have to... All right, I'll try and find it, actually. I'm pretty proud of it, to be honest. Or... Try and do one next time we're skating. I'll film that. Yeah, probably not. Um, yeah, back nose grind half cab. I'm not a huge fan of it. Bobby did that in a line too, I think. I think he did at Courthouse. Back nose grind half cab, then switch heel back nose grind revert. Does that sound right? No, you're completely off. But oh, it's front blunt the to fakey? You know what's funny? I was just referencing his line where he actually... Oh my god, your skate brain is so dust. No, it was Nolly back nose grind revert, switch heel back nose grind revert. Oh, and then at actually? the other spot by Jake's old place, yeah, he did fakey. He did it fakey, like fakey switch back nose grind revert, and then heel flip back nose grind revert. Do you remember now? Uh, is it all coming back to you now? He did the mirror line. Anyways, that's honestly a ridiculous mirror line to this day. I think it's in his habitat part. Go check it. But, um, but he does do that at a courthouse back nose grind half cap. No, you're also tripping. Yo, I, I can't wait to prove you a, wrong. A trick. No, this is a trick that came up today, and you're going to remember <laughs> when, once I tell you what the actual line was. I was at Loft earlier with Dwayne, and we were talking about fakey flipping shit. And then I was like, I told Bobby one time that like my dream trick was fakey flip, fakey 5 0 half cap out. And then, like, fast forward to Bobby's next part. He did it at TD Ledges. Fucking bastard. But I'd rather see... I, I've tried it, and I don't think I can do it. So I was happy to see him do it. I'm just joking. But the line was back, nose grind, half cab, and then fakey flip, fakey 5-0 revert. Where? On the TD, TD blocks. So you're only a few he blocks away. Right. Fuck! In Toronto. <laughs> Come on, Hevs. 
You thought you could step to my nerdy ass fucking shit? Fucking hell. <laughs> How did you remember all of that, let alone fucking any of it? The, the line you were kind of maybe confusing was front blunt fakey, no push, swerve over to the other side, half cab front nose grind reverb. Oh. Which was actually You know fucked. why? Because I, I, pr- I think when I watched that one, I thought I could do it. Hey, actually, you know what? That one-two combo you could do, but the no push part eliminates me and you from that equation. I've done a no push. Well, I can't even do the second trick, bro. But no, from one side to the other is so hard, though. Think about that. Like the speed you need on the front blunt to like transfer sides is that's that's some Bobby shit. There's a reason he's uh he's fucking living off skateboarding, eh? Damn, I almost (laughs) fucking referenced the correct line. Uh, you'll get you'll get it next time. All right, one more. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got an email from Tom McGinnis. What's good, Bunt Liquors? Oh, that's kind of dope. <laughs> Another horrible D Jones mispronunciation last week. Almost worse than Yalda, aka Hajalti. It's Bailey Zappy, pronounced like Happy. Put some respect on the Pats. <laughs> <laughs> One question. What are your best skate group chat names? Much love from Boston. Thanks for doing it for the people. Yeah, usually, uh, I guess our best one is the Sprinter Boys then, which is extremely boring. Sorry, they don't have very many good names, man. Yeah, we're... Uh, we're old and boring. We're pretty dusty with it. Yeah, we're old and boring. Like, if whenever we're planning a trip, it'll be like... A couple airplane emojis and like the destination or something. <laughs> or one airplane going up and one coming down. Yeah, nothing too. Like, oh, I just, I'm scrolling back in our phone. There's an airplane up, <laughs> CPH, and beers. <laughs> I think I named that one. That's clean, man. Uh, then we've got another one here. It's our golf one, and it's just a, one emoji of a guy swinging. What else we got, man? We're fucking... We're too lazy to put in the effort. I, although Aiden... Our one friend Aiden is witty as they come, so he should just be naming these things. And sadly, pronouncing names has never been uh, one of our elite skills here at the Bunt, but but we're working on it, Tom. We'll, we'll get better. <laughs> Hundos. All right, last email for the week from Herbie Willis, Vancouver. Yo, what's up, Bump Boys? Currently backpacking through Canada and made it out to the West Coast. Cheers for 16 seasons of entertainment and a sick fucking weekend in Toronto along the way. Looking for some Vancouver recommendations. Have you got some skate park, street spot, food, and nightlife suggestions? Also, do you know anything about skating Victoria? Keep the barns burning for the rest of the season. Shout out Karan Gale for the clips in the Spitfire vid and Antoine behind the scenes. The beats are sick as fuck as always. Safe one. Hell yeah, Herbie. Wait, is he saying he was at the Bunt Jam? I don't know. I hope so. Well, that would have been a hell of a weekend yeah, to come if you, if you were, then enough respect. Thanks for popping by. And if you weren't, pull up next year. We'd love to have you. Mm. Vancouver recommendations. I just got back from there, so... I got a couple for you, but honestly, um, I would maybe DM Mitch Barrett 
one of the nicest people you'll you'll ever meet. And uh, I'm not promising you he'll hang out with you or anything he'll like that. He'll get back to you, though. He's a, he's a workaholic, busy motherfucker. But, yeah, he will he will DM you back and he'll have way better recommendations. But uh, off the top, I would say uh, that, that new skate park, I don't know if anyone listening saw Mitch Barrett's back nose grind, 88-foot back nose grind at the new skate park in North Vancouver. Absolutely insane. Uh, he did it the day before I got out there, and I was like, yo, I'll fucking do that switch. I knew I wouldn't be able to. But, <laughs> but I got there, and I back 5 would about four feet and popped out and was like just mind blown at how actually ridiculous like sometimes i forget how incredible of a skateboarder mitch is uh until you're with him and and he's just doing shit that i would never do like even just like a back 50 on like the plaza main rail you know it's just like there's levels to this and uh he's one of my best friends in the whole wide world and it truly talented skateboarder shout out mitch i actually forgot to shout out his back nose grind last week he's like yo shout out my back nose oh grind. this is perfect <laughs> yeah um let's so yeah, post go it follow up, him mystics let's fucking post mystics, that shit yeah up. yeah dude it honestly it's one of those things though where until you go there like you see it and you know in your head you're like oh that ledge is perfect like i could probably like back nose grind like most of that ledge but you get there and it's like it really is inhuman uh anyways okay recommendations go to that skate park it's called i don't know how to pronounce it mahone or mahone mahan i don't know mahone skate park in uh north vancouver incredible if you're into ledges and then for nightlife if you're trying to hit a club or something a little hectic and fun and maybe you'll bump into some skaters go to fortune sound club shout out to g-man holding it down and then uh skate park just also go to the plaza downtown that's where you're you'll bump into a shit ton of you know good people that will want to be happy to fucking tell you about spots or whatever else you need to know uh street spot there's some legendary spots around right around plaza i forget what they're all called like uh hot spot and uh the curve ledge whatever the fuck um but yeah just dm mitch man that's that's your best bet real shit no p man i went to vancouver once and we ended up going to the cactus club every fucking night yeah you don't want to do that cactus club is uh is that it? But you can find the Cactus Club. There's one in Toronto. Like, it's not. the Probably the best meal I had last time I was in Vancouver. Uh, we went to this spot called New Mandarin. Oh, my God. I already forgot what it was. I just looked it up. Yeah. New Mandarin. Big old spread. Epic fucking big old round tail. You know the deal. Classic Chinese. Epic legend hope you have a good trip herbie and hope you're enjoying canada that's gonna wrap up the post office for this week keep getting them emails and voice notes into the bunt live at gmail.com this is the rundown the skateboard world source for sports brought to you by the one and only steam whistle canada's premium pilsner the only buzz 
after another week of pitiful performances from Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Honestly, I don't know which one was worse. Well, it was probably Tom Brady, but if you had to pick one of them to still make the playoffs and take a little run in the playoffs, who do you think it would be? I'm going to go with the Bucks, just because I feel like their division is slightly more trash. And I don't know, man. It just feels like it's more inexplicable every week, whereas with the Packers... With Devontae Adams leaving, it just I was kind of expecting their offense to take a, a step back. Maybe not quite this much, but I feel like on paper it, it still makes sense for the Bucks to turn around, man. What do you think? The Bucks have definitely an easier division. They're still in first with a three and four record. I mean, the Falcons, Panthers, and Saints look just as bad as the Buccaneers. So they have a definitely an easier path to the playoffs. The Packers, I mean, the Vikings are five and one, but do we think they're five and one? It's, it's tough to say. I will, I'll go with Brady as well. But this kind of happens with Rodgers, where he starts slow and then he kind of picks it up. But they need to hit the trade market. There never usually is very many in-season trades in the NFL, but we've already seen a couple pulled off, which we'll talk about in a bit. I think the Packers need to hit the trade market hard and get themselves maybe one or two wide receivers. Like, why not try and get Robbie Anderson there real quick? Or why not sniff around DJ Moore? There's options for the Packers. I feel like the defense is good when they have something to play for. And Rodgers is still just as good. He just needs some help. I know it seems like the front office there never goes out of their way to kind of bolster up the offense, whether it's in free agency in the summer or or midseason. Um, DJ Moore would be fucking amazing if he got shipped over there. I would love to see that. I feel so bad for him. Just such a talented receiver, just with the worst quarterback season after season. This man's dealing with like two, three quarterbacks a year, man. It's crazy. A sad, sad sight for DJ Moore. Although he got into the end zone last week. So, you know, maybe things are looking up with PJ Walker, but <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Um, talking about the trade market, we saw Christian McCaffrey, the crown jewel of the trade market, move on over to the 49ers. I don't remember the exact number of picks or picks that they got, but... It definitely, it definitely wasn't anywhere close to what you got to pay up for a wide receiver, man. How come Christian McCaffrey was that cheap? And if he's that cheap, how did not every team go after him? Like, Was he that cheap, though? Wasn't it like a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth or something? Like, yeah, I, I know he didn't get that like coveted first. But no, I, I hear what you're saying. But I mean, he's a running back. He's injury prone. And he, he's right in that like range where it's like how, how much longer does he have left you know at this level I mean maybe a year two three tops at the high end so I don't know it, it seemed kind of like a weird trade to go all in after they lost Lance and now they're like all right fuck it let's but they did get I think they got extra picks for was there some picks in like the Robert Sala thing or something I think I remember reading on Twitter that they had a, a handful of extra picks for some reason, and I guess they're just using those on some like fuck it. We got these. We just got these picks, so let's use them. 
If you had to ask me where I thought CMC would end up before this trade, it definitely would have not been to the Niners, man. It seems like they have two or three running backs they can deploy at any time and to go all in and get McCaffrey. Definitely wasn't my preferred landing spot for him in real life or fantasy-wise, but I guess we'll see how it plays out. That division is up for grabs as well. If you had told me the Seahawks would be leading the NFC West at 4-3, and three, I'm about to tell you you're out of your mind, but <laughs> Geno Smith getting the job done week after week, man. Kenneth Walker, see the new RB1 over there in the NFC West, man. Bruv, I, uh, <clears throat> I'm mad at myself. He was not on my radar whatsoever around draft season. Uh, our boy Adam Raviggs, the bastard, auto-drafted him. No clue what he had on his bench. And now he's laughing, man. And I got zero Kenneth Walker in any any league. Yeah, Kenneth Walker seems like could turn out to be an absolute league winner. Over there on the Jets, they lost their league winner, Brees Hall. Me as well. But tough pill to swallow losing Brees. But they turned it around real quick. Went out on the trade market, snatched up James Robinson. He's going to join Michael Carter over there in New Jersey. Um, Travis Etienne is about to take over 100% of the workload coming his way. Yeah, he's about to go off. Uh, I mean, we're recording this Monday night. If this was live, we could have said breaking news, James Robinson. But by the time mm-hmm. you hear this, it's a couple days old. Um, hopefully, hopefully that's a... I mean, he got zero. Did he get one touch or one target or something that he didn't catch this past week? So that's perfect timing for him to get a new scene. I kind of feel bad for Michael Carter. He's only in his second year. I mean, James is only in his third, but I thought Michael Carter was going to get another chance to prove himself as a lead back. Looks like that ain't happening. But yeah, Travis Etienne looking like an absolute beast the last two and a half weeks. And uh, looks like it's his job now, rest away. So uh, he's been, I mean, I, I think that's just good for fantasy because he's going to be catching shit. That's a little more, those dink and dunk passes to him. He can break them off for big things. So that way um, their QB, what's his face, is, is getting the points too. It's a fun fantasy trade for sure. Absolutely. Joe Burrow. 300 yards and three TDs two weeks ago. Jamar Chase, 130 yards, two TDs. Joe Burrow, 481 yards and three TDs this week. And Jamar Chase, another 130 and two. Have the Bengals raided the ship and are they ready to take back over what is rightfully theirs in that division? Uh, Yeah, it's good to see. It was actually crazy to see. Unfortunately, I think I was against... I think I was against Chase. Oh, yeah, in our league, I was. you had Chase. That motherfucker is, is painful to be against when he's having this kind of week because everything looks all good, and then you check again, and the projection shifted 15 points, and you, in the blink of an eye, you don't even know what the hell just happened. And then you realize, oh, yeah, Jamar is just being Jamar again. Because, yeah, he had a bit of a shaky start to the year, him and Burrow, but good to see them on track. Mm-hmm. That's a fun team, and I was not hyped on on them being like a super bowl um, they're too young to have a super bowl hangover so it's good to see them kind of back where we expected them to be coming into the season the hunger is still there 
So coming down to the end of the season here, do you think the Bengals will overtake the Ravens or the Ravens can hang on? Man, I mean, asking that question after what we've just seen, I think the the recency bias would say Bengals are going to take back over. Man, Lamar, I don't know if he's costing himself a lot of money, but it's definitely not going in his favor every like he didn't do much this week luckily they were against the dusty browns and uh, got it done welcome back gus edwards if i had to put money on it right now i'd say the Bengals make it pop and uh take that division moving to fantasy here for just one second is jamar chase the number one wide receiver in fantasy now um i don't know because I mean, Justin Jefferson just had a bye week, so it's, we can't just forget him. It's easy. It's so, I mean, fantasy football happens so fast that like the recency bias is insane in this compared to any other fantasy sport, I'd say. So I'm going to say no. Uh, I, I still think Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, if he was still with Mahomes, but fuck, who else? One, oh, you got to remember that a lot of this lies on their wide receiver. Yeah, their sorry, I'm gonna say Diggs, man. I like Diggs's chances. If if they all play 17 games, I like Diggs's chances to remain at the top of the fantasy standings. Because I don't know, maybe the new OC in Buffalo is just like last year. Diggs was slightly underwhelming, but this year, like he's getting all the targets, man. And even when <clears throat> a Gabe Davis goes off for three touchdowns like Diggs still getting one on the low with a shit ton of yards you know <clears throat> Defon Diggs definitely doing his thing gonna come down to the wire with I think it's gonna be a Diggs Cooper Cup Jamar Chase race to the finish line I think the part where Justin Jefferson's gonna fall out is the touchdowns man he hasn't had touchdowns since week one where he had two so I have to keep an eye on that one Oh, really? I swear he had a next one. Sorry, and one rushing touchdown. Let's talk about the Battle of New York, or New Jersey, as some might say. The New York Jets, 5-2, and two, and the New York Giants, 6-1. and one. Did you ever see the first seven weeks of the NFL season playing out this way? Hell no, and if if you're saying you did, you're lying to yourself. Unless you're like, but is anyone a diehard fan of both? Probably not, right? So even if you were a huge Jets fan and you're being delusional coming into the season, and then all of a sudden like, oh shit, I was actually right, or vice versa with a Giants fan, you weren't saying it for both. It's pretty shocking. Every week, like I stopped like trying to stream defenses against them. You know that used to be the easy go-to, like oh. Whoever's mm-hmm. playing the Jets, and I've been burned a couple times already. So, if anything, I'm using the Jets DST. They've been pretty fucking good. Yeah, it's it's pretty sick. It's fun. It's fun when New York teams are doing well. And uh, I, I'm just I'm still not buying both teams as like contenders or anything. And I like I don't even know if they're gonna make like it. Still feels every week like they're the underdog, depending on who they're playing. Like. Denver, I expected the Jets to beat Denver, especially with the backup QB. And then uh, the Giants against the Jags, that was a toss-up. But some of their wins are actually so impressive. Like, didn't they both just beat Rodgers back-to-back? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's the 
impressive in quotations well yeah yeah but you know what i mean just with our preconceived notions it's it's just cool to see them uh forging they're forcing us to to change our opinions on them put some respect on their names absolutely the packers dst this week was robbed of two more defensive touchdowns though just to throw that out there you could have maybe hit it fucking large going against the jets i still don't believe in zach wilson or that team as a whole it's a product of great coaching the giants though daniel jones doing just enough came out in the game gunslinging to slayton saquon barkley uh gonna be the comeback player of the year like i predicted the giants have have shown us enough to say they're gonna be in every game man so not gonna be an easy out playing playing either of them um one thing i gotta say in that division the Eagles six and zero, the Giants six and one, the Cowboys five and two. I still think the Cowboys are the best team. If they can get Dak to really, you know, hone in and start making good plays, I think they have the best all around team. I know the Eagles just beat them. That was with Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush has most of the Cowboys wins, but just think about how good the rest of the team had to play with Cooper Rush. Now, if we can get some good quarterback play out of Dak Prescott. I still think they're a better team than the Eagles. Yeah. Um, I mean, Dak looked kind of rusty this first week back. But, yeah, if he can get back into a groove, I mean, he wasn't – he he looked like shit week one as well. But if he can get into mm-hmm. any sort of groove and play like uh, – <clears throat> last year he was decent, right? But, mm-hmm. yeah, if he can get into a groove with that defense um, – yeah, sky's the limit for sure for that team. And I absolutely can't wait for that rematch. I think it's towards the end of the season. So hopefully uh, both teams are still full strength. And that should be a clash of the Titans. And Michael Irving is going to be losing his goddamn shit. That's what I'm here to see, man. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap up the episode for this week. We'll see you here next week. Hell yeah. Peace. Peace.